because I, I forgot about it. I don't think I saw it in theaters, but did you guys watch the post credit scene? No. No. You guys didn't watch it? I just like, I was watching it on Amazon Prime, so I just scrolled to the end to see if there was anything there. But it was Hologram Jorel at IHOP meeting Pete. <laughs> that was a really cool scene because we got to see Jorel interact with one of Clark's friends as a kid. And I think it really just added to his character and his origin. So I just thought it was a pretty beautiful way to end the movie. And then, but it was weird whenever Samuel Jackson walked in to recruit him for the Avengers. That was a bit too much for me, but overall, I enjoyed it. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the very first episode of The Arnie's, a show by three best friends who quite honestly have nothing better to do. I'm your host, Austin Terry, and I'm joined by my best buds and co-hosts, Matt Johnson and Keith Baker. Matt, how's it going? Well, Austin, I'm so happy to be here. It's an honor. Um, This is the third time we're recording this intro, so I'm not as good as I was two takes ago, but I'm still pretty good. Happy to be here. Keith, let me bring you in here. How you doing? Also glad to be here. That's all I have for you. Because it took three takes, so I can't really remember what I was going to say anymore. Well, we are off to just a solid start with today's episode. (laughs) Well, I, for one, am very excited for today, as we are launching the first episode in our three-part series covering Zack Snyder's DC Extended Universe. For those of you that don't know, it was recently announced after much speculation that HBO Max will release Zack Snyder's version of Justice League, in 2021. It'll be a monster four-hour cut, but we'll get to that on episode three. Today, we'll be talking about 2013's Man of Steel. Boys, I know we all had very different opinions about this movie when it was released, so I'm curious to see if those views have shifted or changed with a rewatch. Matt, I know you were not excited to return to these films, so any thoughts on today's episode? Well, I saw Man of Steel opening night, and man, I walked out disappointed. And then a few days later, after never planning to see this movie again, I got a call from two boys, and those were you guys, saying, Can we go see Man of Steel? And I was like, I can't. Then you guys begged me. And because I'm so charitable, I said, sure, let's go see it. Um, It was even worse that time. So that time, I really was like, I'm never going to watch this movie again. But then you said, hey, we should do a podcast. And I was like, well, I guess so. And then you said, we should do our first episode on Man of Steel. And I was like, wow, what a treat. I can't wait. Um, But here's the thing. I watched this movie. I sat down. um, I was about five minutes in, jiggled the mouse, saw that there was still two hours and 20 minutes left. Mm, That was not a good sign. Not a good sign, Zack Snyder. But as it turns out, I may have been wrong about some things. Well, let's just go ahead and jump right in here. Uh, This episode was released June 14th, 2013, uh, directed by Zack Snyder and written by David Esquire and scored by Hans Zimmer. And let's just get into the cast here. Um, At the time, Henry Cavill was coming off of the Tudors, but he was still relatively unknown when he was cast as Superman. 
Keith, what were your thoughts when you heard Henry Cavill was going to be playing your beloved Superman? I guess I didn't have much thoughts because I had no idea who the dude was until this. But um, I guess if you compare him to Christopher Reeve and Brandon Routh, he was definitely a different sort of dude. Um, I was also pretty fascinated by the way he got like shredded for the role. I was reading up on that and like how he refused to take steroids and all that kind of stuff to get shredded. So he did like a 12 month like program just to get into Superman shape, which I thought was pretty admirable. And I thought he did a pretty good job as playing Superman. I guess we'll get into more of that later on. Yeah. And then, so the rest of this cast, um, you have Amy Adams as Lois Lane, Russell Crowe as Jor-El, Michael Shannon as Zod, Diane Lane as Martha Kent, and Kevin Costner as Jonathan Kent. Um, So on paper, this is a pretty all-star cast. Yeah, I think so. Uh, It seems that they went with the strategy of casting an unknown in the lead role so that you as an audience don't really have that many expectations going in. Obviously, Superman being a really iconic character, I think if you cast a relatively unknown, you can't really complain about the casting too much. Um, And then, you know, I think smartly they chose, since the lead was kind of an unknown actor, or relatively unknown, they filled the supporting cast with just huge A-list stars and really recognizable people. And a lot of people that have been famous for a long time. So there was certainly, I think, excitement for people like Russell Crowe, Lo- um, Amy Adams, Michael Shannon even a little bit at the time, uh, certainly Kevin Costner, Diane Lane. So I was definitely excited to hear about the supporting cast before I even really cared about Henry Cavill. Yeah, and I remember too, you know, Zack Snyder was coming off of 300 and Watchmen, and I didn't really know what to expect from Zack Snyder, but just from his prior two films that were kind of successful, I knew this movie was at least going to look good and have pretty cool action. I definitely thought it resembled 300 in the visual effects uh, side of things. Yeah, there was lots of pans and crash zooms, so that was pretty cool to see. Um, I guess the only trepidation at the time with Zack Snyder was even back then in 2011 or 12 when whenever the, it would have never it was that they announced that he was going to do it um even then he was kind of known as the guy that was style over substance so i think some people myself included were we knew we were going to get some cool action as opposed to superman returns uh the previous superman film but were we going to get a really deep story some cool character development and stuff like that I think that's where the movie kind of fell apart for some people, but we'll get into that. So this movie also had a $225 million budget and it grossed $668 million worldwide. So at the time, uh, this movie financially at least was a success. Yeah, not like not a huge success like something like The Avengers the year before, which was over a billion, but that had buildup. So, you know, this was kind of billed as the first movie in DC's sort of franchise that they were going to build. So yeah, it's a, it's a pretty good success. I guess it just depends on how much they spent on marketing, but sounds like they made at least a little bit of a profit on it. Yeah. And like you said, this is actually the ninth highest film of 2013. So it was financially successful, but not like a smash. Like I'm sure Warner Bros was hoping for. Yeah. I guess it's kind of unsurprising that the next movie they did, they were like, just throw Batman in there as quickly as you can. So that way we don't have to worry about, you know, success at least financially. Yeah. And so when this movie comes out, um, it's kind of a mixed bag from critics. Uh, it launches with a 56% on Rotten Tomatoes. And just kind of some of the big criticism points where they felt it was a questionable interpretation of the character and not really a fun Superman 
Um, critics, critics really hated the collateral damage in the fight scenes. And they also felt that this film tries to be deeper than it actually is. I think some of that is certainly how I feel and still feel after watching it for this. But overall, you know, I think it was just such a different take at the time that it's unsurprising that, you know, people had that kind of mixed reaction to it, fans and critics alike. But like I said, I think where Zack Snyder may have missed when it came to character development, particularly, and I know we'll talk about this, uh, for Clark Kent slash Superman, um, I think he did take some huge swings people didn't expect that I actually think really worked. So that's something to be commended at least. So do you guys remember anything about like the marketing or the trailers for this movie? And I'll go ahead. But the main thing I remember from this movie is um, they were, I wasn't really too excited by the first trailer for this movie, but I really got on board with the second trailer that they released. And that's the one that kind of has the, the scene from the movie where it's, you are not alone across everybody's TVs and networks. And it's just kind of teased as like an alien invasion movie, which I thought was a really cool premise for a Superman film. And it's not kind of what the movie ends up being, but at the time that trailer really excited me. Hmm. I think all I remember was the uh, the teaser trailer that we saw during the Dark Knight Rises premiere. Was that was the You Are Not Alone thing in that, or am I mistaken? No, that was the first uh, trailer. Which yeah, you're right. I think I know that's where we saw it, but I'm pretty sure they must have been premiering it with Dark Knight Rises, which came out almost a year before this movie ended up coming out. So I think something cool was it was just a teaser. There was so little to the trailer, but I remember that's all I needed. It was that shot of Superman coming out with um, his suit for the first time, just putting the close-up shot of his fist on the ice as the ground starts to shake, and then he just shoots off into the sky with that Hans Zimmer score in the background. And that trailer got me pumped. And I think, if I remember right, with each trailer that followed after, I was actually kind of the opposite. I got less excited. But I think there are still some moments from those trailers that they did live up to the hype. So I think Zod mainly and some of the, the way the visuals look, the way Superman moves, stuff like that, I think they nailed. Yeah, so let's just go ahead and dive right in here to the first act of this film. Um, this movie really, it opens up uh, with that awesome score from Hans Zimmer, which just continues to be incredible throughout the entire movie. And we just get right into a dying Krypton. Um, Russell Crowe is trying to get his newborn son off planet. And we're introduced also to uh, Michael Shannon Zod in the first act of this movie. And really, I'd forgotten how interesting the Krypton stuff was. I think it's my favorite part of this film. I have to agree with that. Yeah, I thought it was more, it was a pretty good uh, origin story, I guess, for Superman that we hadn't, hadn't seen before. Yeah, again, I think they were trying to do some things just the stark opposite of the ways we had seen it before just to make it different. I think one of those ways was right here at the beginning where in the Christopher Reeves Superman movies and obviously Superman Returns where we got almost none of it, um, they really did show us a lot of the Krypton stuff. I think I, I paused it right as it was ending and we were like 20 or a little over 20 minutes into the movie. So they certainly give it its due. Whereas in the past films, it's really, really quick. We pretty much just see Jarrell put Superman in the pot and then he leaves and that's about it. But here we got a lot of backstory and I think they smartly made Zod a big part of this opening, which obviously sets him up to be the main villain later, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it's interesting though, because Zod, right off the bat at least, he's also just kind of trying to do the same thing that Dorel's doing. He's trying to save Krypton in his wor- in his version, whereas 
uh, Dorel's also trying to save Krypton just in a different method. So I think really my biggest critique of the first act is they don't go, don't do a very good job of setting Zod up to be this villain this villain that we're rooting against for the entire film. Yeah, I think they do a good enough job. I think we'll talk about this later. I think it's just they set up something strong, but then later in the movie it just gets really muddled and kind of confusing what they were going for both story-wise and thematically. But just looking at this opening sequence in a vacuum set up the fact that, I mean, Zod even extends his hand to Jor-El and he's like, join me, we can save Krypton. And really the only difference in ideology that we see from them is that Jor-El wants to basically preserve all of Krypton, whereas apparently, we don't really dive into it, but I guess even though Zod also wants to save Krypton, he wants to somehow do that by only preserving the most, you know, high quality bloodlines. And whenever Jarrell asks who's going to decide who that is, the implication is that Zod will. So this was very confusing because Zod is so gung ho about saving Krypton, but yet whenever Jarrell, I guess, presents an idea that will save everybody in theory, Zod doesn't like it. Kind of confusing, like you said, and it only gets more muddled later in the movie, in my opinion. Yeah, it's not very clear. Um, you know, so. Uh... Dorel is trying to obviously get his son off planet. Um, we see Zod come in and he kind of murders a couple of members of the council and eventually does end up killing Dorel right before uh, a young baby Clark Kent is shot into space. Um, and eventually Zod is sentenced to the Phantom Zone. But it's, I kind of noticed this while I was watching this. It's kind of funny by sentencing him to the Phantom Zone, they actually end up saving his life because the planet blows up like two minutes later in this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. Um yeah, that was kind of something that stood out to me even going back to when I first saw it, just because it's such a high-tension scene wherever he's telling uh, Superman's mother that, you know, even though he's presumably going away, going to this prison for a very long time, he will still find a way to find, you know, Clark Kent. Um, but, yeah, you're right. They basically, they get inside these pee-pee pods, um, <laughs> and then they get shot into the air, and these pods then go into their own ship. And then the ship goes into the Phantom Zone. So if anything were to go wrong, now you've given them their own ship. And before they go into the pod, they are like cryogenically frozen. So they don't need to be in a ship. Just shoot them off you know, in the pod into the Phantom Zone. <laughs> and then as they explain in such a funny scene later, unintentionally funny, Zod basically says that, yes, we were in the Phantom Zone, but then Krypton blew up and it lost its hold over us. It is very weird that they give him a ship. That'd be like us on Earth sending someone to jail, but then giving them a car. <laughs> basically, yeah. And then acting surprised when the jail explodes and then they just get in the car and drive away. <laughs> Um, okay, so moving forward, um, Clark Kent is eventually shot off world where um, we get in. Really, I guess the first act of this movie is a bunch of non linear storytelling. Um, did you guys have an opinion on this? I just didn't remember how non linear it was. In this first act in particular, they're just really jumping back and forth in the timeline. Yeah, when they're, they're going from him saving some kids in a bus and then they jump back to him being like in Alaska, saving the people in the oil rig. Here, I'll, uh, I'll break it down for you, Keith. So this first act after we leave Krypton is kind of all over the place. Um, you know, Superman gets shot to earth. We get the classic scene of him flying over the barn in Kansas. Um, and then it cuts immediately to him on an oil rig. Um, we cut back to a younger Clark Kent in grade school, having issues with his powers. 
We cut back to the oil rig. He's saving people on the oil rig. He flies away. We cut back to younger, young Clark Kent uh, saving kids on the school bus. And his dad is very angry with him for doing the right thing. And then we cut forward. Um, and eventually we, we wind up basically at the Fortress of Solitude within like the first 15 minutes of this movie. Yeah, I guess that's kind of what they were going for, at least a version of the fortress, which was just a Kryptonian ship stuck in the ice. But yeah, to your point of the whole nonlinear storytelling, I think it was really cool for the most part. I think it gave us lots of amazing moments. Like we see Clark as a young boy, kind of, I guess, their take on Kryptonian puberty, where all of these powers are kind of hitting him at once and he just doesn't know how to control it. And I'm sure, you know, he's an alien he's not around kryptonians who presumably could teach him how to control it but he doesn't know how so we get this great scene where um martha kent comes and kind of helps him focus those powers and then we also get to see him save people as a kid and we get these very uh, we get a very different version of jonathan kent which i'm sure the critics had some issues with or at least some of them who's basically telling clark that he can't reveal himself going as far, you know, to make that point that maybe he should have let these kids die in the school bus when it went over, it went into a lake just so Clark wouldn't be exposed and presumably ridiculed. But um, my, my big issue is that while we get these amazing moments because of the way that they jump back in time, like you said, after 15 minutes, we're basically at the Fortress of Solitude where he's meeting Jor-El. He gets his suit and he flies for what looks like the first time, weirdly. He's like not good at it. I don't know if he's flown before. Um, but the problem is, it's like, we don't know this guy. We don't know him as an adult. We see him as a kid, which is cool, and we get to know his upbringing. But as an adult, all we've seen so far, up to this very pinnacle moment, is we've seen him do some odd jobs, barely say anything. So we don't really know this guy at all. And that's kind of my overall biggest problem with the movie, is that trend kind of continues. I think by far... Superman is the least interesting character in this movie. And that I don't think is due to Henry Cavill's performance, at least not for the most part. I think it's just the way they wrote it. And by doing all this non-linear storytelling, um, it definitely did him a disservice as well. Cause I, I barely know this guy by the end of the movie. Yeah. And, and Keith, I do want to come back to you. What, uh, how, what did you think of the non-linear storytelling? Did it work for you? Did you not like it? I kind of wish they would have told it in order, I guess, but that's just, from what I've seen from the older Supermans, when they kind of, uh, I want to, I want to say it's one of the uh, Christopher Reeve Supermans, or it could, I could be wrong. Maybe it's the Brandon Routh. I haven't seen Superman Returns in a long time since it first came out, but I know one of those showed him like growing up in Smallville and being in like first um, discovering one power at a time. I remember, I don't remember which one it was, um, but I remember he was like racing a train. He was like probably like 15, 16 years old. And he learned so he could like run fast and all that. So. I don't know. Anyway, I like that part where they just kind of show him growing up and then then it shows that him, him becoming who he is instead of like the bouncing back and forth and all that. Yeah. So you wanted to get to know him a little bit more? Yeah, I would say that. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, like you said, that we're also introduced to Kevin Costner and uh, John Kent in this first act. And overall, I like Kevin Costner's performance, um, but I'm not sure I really agree with his character's motivations. Yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, I like that it's kind of divisive because you kind of get both sides of the argument but yeah i think without a doubt kevin costner gives a great performance it's just there's some weird moments um certainly the one that really hits you first like i mentioned is whenever clark saved these kids as a child himself he saves all these kids um whenever a school bus goes over a bridge and his response 
Jonathan's response to that is maybe you should have let them die. And it's like, geez, because he's just that passionate. He's that sure that Clark, at least not yet, you know, he can't reveal himself to be what he truly is. Um, and that leads to a great moment where Clark's like, can I just be your son? And he's like, Oh, of course you're my son. So it's all these sweet, good moments. And I also love the, I love his, you're the answer son to the, are we alone in the universe? I love that line in this film. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. I, I, mean, I like all this stuff. It's just, I think the biggest problem is it leads to a really dumb scene where he, uh, dies via tornado because he was so adamant about saving their dog which he probably could have just gotten superman to do <laughs> you know because jonathan comes literally running towards this overpass with a little girl in his arms and for some reason he's like he hands the girl to superman he's like go and he's like dude you're an old man you take the girl you're already halfway here you go i'll go get the dog and that at that point clark's also already saved the school bus so like He's already used his powers at this point. It's not like it's the first time Clark's ever going to use his powers in public. Yeah, and they are people already know. Like, so I don't know. It's kind of weird. It's a dumb scene. And even that, like, even if they were going to stick to this like big scene, wherever he saves the dog, and then he's clearly about to get engulfed by this tornado, and it looks like Clark's going to save him, and then he just puts his hand up and he like tell basically telling him not to. Even then, I, I can't imagine a scenario where Clark agrees with that. I feel like he would, even if he's going to show off his powers, he would probably just fly right over, grab him, and fly off, or just run over and grab him. I mean, he could have just ran fast. He didn't have to. Yeah, he wouldn't even have to fly. Yeah. I'm not saying that like that would have been the right decision. I'm just saying, in terms of Clark as a character, I don't see why he wouldn't do that. I feel like in that moment, he would try and save his dad. I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of. Yeah. Yeah, and also like in the comics and other um, iterations of Superman, like Martha and John Kent really help humanize Superman, I think, because he's got this great relationship with his, I guess, foster parents. Um, and they're kind of like the best of humanity and like the best possible role models he could have. So it's it's really jarring in this movie to see um, a John Kent who doesn't want him to do things for the better good. Yeah, certainly different. Again, I think probably they did it in large part just to be different and do something different so people wouldn't compare it to the old films at least by saying that they did the same thing but the other ones did it better so they avoided it by doing something completely different and again i appreciate the big swing i think it worked in some places and overall i like the jonathan kent stuff but like i said i just really think this tornado scene is stupid yeah so also in this first act um we kind of touched on this but we do visit the fortress of solitude and in antarctica um, where we're also introduced to Amy Adams, uh, Lois Lane. And I really like Amy Adams as Lois Lane. Um, I think she gives a great performance in this film as well, as like pretty much does this entire cast. Um, what did you guys think of meeting her? Um, let me ask you this, because I can't remember. Was she, why was she, what was she doing in Antarctica to begin with? She was interested in why the military was there, because the military is in trying to find this like UFO, basically, which is eventually revealed to be. Uh, the, the Kryptonian ship that's been crashed there for a long time. Okay. Uh, no, yeah, that was a pretty good intro to her, I guess. I mean, showing off her journalism skills and all that, chasing the story. Yeah, they certainly show that she's more of like a modern, at least modern by 2013 standards, you know, a modern journalist. Uh, they show her to be very capable right off the bat, which was cool. Obviously, Amy, Amy Adams is a great actress, so she really sells it. But, you know, in the past, in like the animated series, the comics, a lot of time Lois Lane is... I mean, she's good at what she does, but you always kind of have that weird thing where she's like this award-winning reporter, but can't 
tell the difference between Clark Kent and Superman just by one of them having glasses on. Um, so yeah, I think they really leaned into the fact that she's like really, really good at her job, which was cool. And I think a good take, this was a good, um, you know, like different take. I think that they made this time. This is one of the ones that worked for me. Yeah. And it's also kind of interesting because in this, in this story, she meets Superman before she meets Clark. Right. Yeah, in a sense. Obviously, he's not wearing the suit, but yeah, she basically meets him as Superman. You know, he uses his powers in front of her, so she's very aware of who this guy is right off the bat. And Keith, if I remember correctly, you had a very strong opinion about Lois Lane knowing who Superman is when we originally saw this film. Do you still agree with that? No, I can put my opinion completely changed. I remember being super pissed off at the end of the movie. I was like, sucked. I didn't like it. And you're, you guys were like, why? It's like, because she knows who he is. Like, he's not. she's not supposed to know who he is. But now that I'm looking at it, it's like, well, I'm kind of like that, you know, the glasses don't hide who he is. She knows who he is. Okay, so, so that's kind of the first act. And now moving on, um, the second act opens with zod touching down or i guess not touching down but entering the atmosphere of earth and we get the you are not alone scene um i really like that they send this message out and it's also in all different language what did you guys think of this first of all it's pretty funny that like he goes on the kryptonian ship and like gets this big talk from jor-el where jor-el tells him about zod and then like five minutes later in the movie zod's like hey i'm here it's like oh it is very convenient yeah um, it's fine. I think this scene's fine. I mean, obviously I already made fun of the fact that in order for them to be here, they had to escape the Phantom Zone. And the way they do that is Krypton got destroyed, which released them. And because again, for some reason they were given their own ship, they're now, you know, awake on this ship and they, you know, talk about how they were able to fix the ship and fly off to the other planets that Krypton had scouted. Everybody was dead. Um, and eventually they made their way to earth. Um, which leads to this scene where yeah, Zod's wearing a weird helmet on a static screen saying, you are not alone. And yeah, he basically just demands that Superman turn himself over. You know what that scene reminds me of? That scene reminds me of the Iron Man 3 scene. It would have been like the same year. So yeah, very similar. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Where the terrorist comes on, all the TVs and all that. It's it was creepy though. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, I... I- I really like it. I think that's I think that's probably my second favorite scene in this movie. I just think it's such a such a cool way to introduce a villain like to Earth. Yeah, as kind of showing off that, you know, there's literally other life out there because most people don't know about Superman or his heritage. So pretty jarring for the people of the world, certainly. And they do a good job of showing that off. And also, Matt, you kind of touched on this, but at the beginning of the film, they do establish that Krypton has been um I guess, out there colonizing other worlds. But I really like how they make it clear later on in the film that once Krypton dies, those colonies uh, died once they were cut off from Krypton. Right, that's true. They did kind of explain that. So yeah, that made sense. I thought they did a good enough job. I I guess the idea was that since Krypton was destroyed, you know, I guess these scouts weren't able to get resources that they needed or just whatever so yeah they did a good enough job explaining why all of these random colonies were also destroyed and everybody was dead um which also i think just fuels zod's anger and his intense desire to save krypton since none of the colonies survived he's going to make sure that you know he makes he makes a new krypton on earth um and he doesn't care 
you know, who dies in the process. Yeah. Um, so in Zod's message, he asks, um, I guess the world that basically turn over Superman, um, Superman hears this message. And after some deliberation decides to turn himself in, uh, to the military. And then we get the interrogation scene, which is also in some of the trailers. Um, in this scene, I think, the S stuff really falls flat for me. Yeah, it's just one of those things. I mean, again, I think they were just trying to be different and have fun with it by... I mean, obviously, when Superman was designed back in the late 30s, I I think it probably goes without saying that the S was meant to just stand for Superman. I mean, it was a simpler time. That's all they were doing. Um, And so here, (laughs) it's still an S, but they really hit home that, no, on my planet, it stands for hope. And then even Lois Lane says, but here it's an S. And it's like, do we need that line? <laughs> because it's like, okay, then why does the symbol on Krypton that means hope also happen to exactly resemble, you know, an, an English S? I don't know. I, I think it's kind of silly. It's fine. It's not an egregious bad thing, but it's just kind of silly to me. I agree. Not too big of a deal for me, but. I mean, it, it ruined the rest of the movie, but not a big deal. yeah i didn't watch it after that yeah austin can you tell us what happened after that sure that's what i'm here to do zod lives at the end right (laughs) oh believe me we will get to that um so i I, what i actually do like about this scene though is you kind of you really do get like a charismatic henry cavill in this scene when he's like revealing his x-ray vision and just kind of taunting the soldiers on the other side of the glass and i really i do like that part of the scene and this is like the only time we get that at least the only time where I thought it was good. Um, yeah, this felt kind of like Boy Scouty Superman for the first time in the movie. But he also had a little bit of an edge to him since he was kind of, you know, messing around, the, you know, these government military people showing off what he can do and that he's really trying to show that he's not a threat and he's willing to turn himself over. So this was probably my favorite scene in terms of his acting, the writing for the character with the exception of the S. And this just felt like the most Superman, classic Superman that was in this movie. Yeah. And I know, I think Henry Cavill gets criticized for kind of being a stoic, I guess, actor, but if you watch the man from uncle, like he's really great in that film and he's charismatic and charming. And I hope if he does get another shot at the role that we kind of get to see that side of Henry Cavill. Yeah. Again, I definitely think it was the writing for this movie. I don't think it was. His- I agree. Impossible fallout too. He was badass in that. As the- Everything else he's in. I really like him. Yeah. Um, okay. So the military decides to turn over Superman to Zod um and zod also asks for amy adams so they both get or lois lane um so they both get warped up to zod's ship well he asked for amy adams and we were like huh who's that and he was like oh lois lane and then we were like why (laughs) um so they're they're both whisked up to zod's ship and uh zod's ship is still set to kryptonian atmosphere so superman is very weak and they lock amy adams up in the cell um very convenient that they lock her in the one cell with a flash drive that works for the key that Superman gave her. Yep. And this is where it was fun. It was cool when Superman got to meet Jor-El earlier, but this is when it kind of starts a weird trend where they were like, guys, we cast Russell Crowe as Jor-El. We really got to make sure he's in at least one scene with every single character. (laughs) So this is his weird scene with Lois Lane (laughs) as, as a hologram, I think. Also, can we can we just touch on really quick how Jor-El figured out how to record himself on a flash drive and meet his son, but his mom could not do the same thing? Yeah, she was busy. Um, well, <laughs> I, I like thinking about the day before 
um, Jor-El died, where he's just like furiously trying to record as much stuff into a webcam as possible. And then his wife walks by and she's like, Jor, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I'm busy. <laughs> but yeah, it is really weird that like he gets to have this great moment where he meets his son and it's like, could we not have uh, <laughs> given mom something to do? <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, so um, Jor-El teaches Lois Lane how to escape from the ship. Um, and they eventually crash back down to Earth. Uh, Superman escapes as well. And now we begin uh, the big fight in Smallville. Yeah, they really... Yeah, they did a number on Smallville. Um, cool scene. Cool choreography. I think um, a lot of people complain about this movie, like you mentioned at the beginning. All the collateral damage. Um, and this certainly didn't do that argument any favors, but eh, what can you say? It's a fun scene. It's great action wise. It was so cool to see how, you know, how Zack Snyder depicted Kryptonians fighting, because at this point, I don't think we've even really seen Superman do that much actual combat. Um, and to see the way they did it, where basically it's like, once they hit somebody, they're already almost at the next person hitting them. They just like zoom around so quickly in between punches it's so cool and it just goes to show it's like man these humans and these military uh people trying to get rid of these people have no chance so it was cool i really like the choreography well and earlier when they're fighting on krypton it just looks like a normal fight so you really get a good sense of like the powers in this scene yeah when jor-el and zod are fighting it just looks i mean it's cool again it's also cool choreography but they're moving at normal speed and to then contrast that here when it's kryptonians on earth and they're just moving so fast it's kind of a cool way to show the difference between krypton and earth and just you know a simple way that i found really effective yeah and you also you do get a really cool superman moment in this scene whenever zod is threatening martha kent and he just flies in out of nowhere and really just like beats the shit out of zod and says like you think you can threaten my mother i think that's a fantastic superman line Oh, whenever uh, Zod throws the car through the house. Yeah, right, yeah, scene. right there. Yeah, that was and cool. Then Superman comes in out of nowhere. Which all leads up to, uh, like you said, Smallville getting completely decimated. Um, the military trying to take down Zod's, like his, I guess, followers, like the two people that are also fighting um, and completely failing. And then we get to see the end of the fight is basically Zod um, his mask starts to come off and he basically goes through what Clark did as a kid, which is his senses, his x-ray vision, his heat vision, his just superhuman abilities or Kryptonian abilities are starting to kind of overwhelm him and he can't control it. So I thought that was a cool way to end the fight instead of like, we didn't see Superman knock Zod out. We didn't see Zod knock out Superman. We, we literally just saw Zod kind of become overwhelmed so much so that he couldn't continue the fight. Um, which is unfortunate for Metropolis because if it had ended here, uh, we could have saved a lot of lives. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah, Smallville is just no longer um, on the map after this fight. We also get to see uh, Christopher Maloney's character come oh, in on the, yeah. on the helicopter. Chris Maloney, thanks. Yeah. For no, I thought he was good. I thought he was fun. Um, you know, simple character arc, I thought. You know, he goes from being so like suspicious of what's going on, even even just of Lois Lane. And then of course, whenever Superman and like these superhuman people come into the picture, he's obviously also even more suspicious. But then um, actually, I guess it's at the end of this scene, whenever he finally comes around, he sees Superman helping his people, saving their lives and fighting these 
other Kryptonians, and that's the moment where he's like, all right, guys, you know, he's cool. So, yeah, it worked for me. worked well enough. I love Christopher Maloney from, like, Wet Hot American Summer, obviously. So <laughs> to see him here is, I guess, more in, what he was, in line with what he was known for. But, yeah, he's not in it that much. He was fine, though. I definitely liked his confidence uh, and with the knife fight scene. Oh my god! Uh, the one Kryptonian. <laughs> yeah. I I like his character, but that knife fight scene is. I'm glad it didn't happen because that scene is dumb. That would have been. It, it should have happened. <laughs> yes, yeah, so like you said, Matt. This uh, kind of culminates with Christopher Maloney uh, really at, like coming around the Superman and saying, and I quote, "This man is not our enemy." Actually, we missed that scene. But we missed that one scene where. Actually, I think it may have been a deleted scene, actually, um, that I watched, where uh, the reason he actually comes around is because um, Hologram Jorel pops up in the bathroom while Christopher Maloney's in there. And he's like, hey, Chris Maloney, um, my son's a good guy. Uh, you should trust him. And then he's like, will do, Jorel. So I thought that was an interesting scene. They probably shouldn't have cut it. <laughs> Uh, okay, so back to the actual movie. Um, now we kind of get taken into the third act where they launch the world engines. Um, one goes to Metropolis and the other goes to the Indian Ocean. Um, I like this device. It, it really works for me. I think it's cool that Zod's trying to create a new Krypton and the world engines also just look cool too. Yeah, and they did a good enough job of setting it up earlier. They established that you know, we actually see the world engine on one of the Kryptonian colonies earlier that Zod was trying to see if anybody was still alive. So clearly these huge machines are used to literally terraform the planet or moon or wherever they are and to make it habitable for Kryptonians. So obviously cool concept and we can't blame Zod for wanting to create uh, his new home. And he's obviously gone to the effort of keeping all of these samples of DNA or whatever it is. I don't know what they are like the Kryptonian fetuses. I don't know what they're supposed to be DNA in order to create more people, whatever. Um, I'm probably just overthinking that, but he has a lot of people. So he wants to create a new Krypton. And obviously the main conflict is he has a scene with Superman that establishes that if I'm going to create a new Krypton, Sorry, but Earth and all of its inhabitants have to go as well. So that's obviously <laughs> the conflict here. Um, okay, so then the military kind of launches their plan to take Superman's baby pod and um, I guess use it to trigger a new Phantom Zone that will, one, I don't know. it creates a black hole because they say that, but it's going to get set off in, this, in the middle of Metropolis, which is basically this world's New York. And it's only going to suck up the Kryptonians. Yeah, they say they say a lot of jargon here that you kind of just have to accept in order for the movie to work. But yeah, apparently by taking the pod that um, Superman came to Earth in, they can somehow stick that piece of the codex into it and make it not into a bomb, which is what I thought they were going for, and they were going to like drop that on the ship. But no, they're gonna it's going to somehow make a black hole over a huge city <laughs> so yeah I, I don't know i mean i guess it ended up working so good for them but yeah kind of a weird idea yeah and um so superman uh splits off and goes to the indian ocean and then christopher maloney and that scientist guy and amy adams take off in their plane um keith are you happy you get more christopher maloney action 
Yeah, of course. I liked that Christopher Maloney gave back his line, which I can't remember. Y'all remember the line, the death is your own, death own reward? Basically. Yeah, as he flies it back into the world engine to explode it. Yeah, and, and this the old doctor is the one that like saves the day literally because Yeah, I know I know you feel he's an unsung hero in this scene. I mean he really is. I mean, this black hole would not have been detonated without him because he somehow figured out that he had to turn something. Um but then once he gets it right, Christopher Maloney just immediately uh, drives the plane into the Kryptonian ship, thus killing everybody on board, including the doctor who I mean, the doctor literally, his the last thing he saw was Lois Lane standing on the edge of the ship and falling out. And then he's like, oh no, she's going to die. But then he gets to see Superman catch her and fly off to safety. Meanwhile, he saved the day. What if he just jumped out and he just hit the ground expecting Superman to catch him? But <laughs> Well, maybe Jor-El's hologram could have caught him. <laughs> oh yeah, true. We are, Speaking of which, we missed Jor-El's scene with Zod, which is not a joke. They actually did have a scene together where Zod's like, I have to go pay a visit to an old friend. He's also like, I'm sick of this argument. Yeah, he, he brings back Jor-El just to like shit all over him. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> dang, what a dick. Um, yeah, pretty funny scene. And then I guess he deletes him, or at least that's what it looks like. He somehow like... Del- deletes Jarrell. At least he like basically evaporates into a bunch of blue squares. <laughs> so I, I think he's gone. Yeah, he just wipes his hard drive. Okay, there you go. That's what happened. Um, and and so meanwhile, while the military is flying their plane into Metropolis, um, you get Superman in the Indian Ocean, and I really like this scene. What what do you guys think of this when he destroys the world engine? There is really bad CGI in this scene where apparently the world engine also can create tentacles that will chase you if you're flying around it. Yeah, that looks dumb. But the actual scene where he destroys the world engine was awesome. He basically, they established that because it's a Kryptonian machine, he's weak around it, just like, you know, he is with Kryptonite and every other medium we see. Um, So he gets, like, thrust down to the very bottom of it, and we just see this really badass scene where he just, you know, the music kind of swells, that great Hans Zimmer score once again that they use throughout, which is so good. And then he just somehow overcomes it and just shoots through the world engine. It's, it's so awesome. Cool. It's so cool. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, and then, so while all this destruction is happening in Metropolis due to the black hole and the world engine, um, you also get the Daily Planet people escaping their office. And I actually do really like this because um, just like everyday people in this movie get to have some heroic scenes where they're all saving each other. And um, I like that not only the Superman in this scene and, and the Kryptonians can have like kind of cool moments. I like that just everyday people have a part in this movie too. Yeah. I definitely enjoyed Lawrence Fishburne's uh, role. As, yeah. He's uh, great. As Perry, his name, right? Yeah. Perry. Yeah. Perry White. Yeah. I liked it too. I did think it was kind of funny by the end where uh, he and one of the other guys are trying to escape. And then one of their colleagues gets stuck under a bunch of rubble. And then we see the world engine get closer and closer, the blast. Then they just stay there. It's like, I mean, at some point you got to cut your losses and be like, Sorry, but they chose to stay with her to the end. But then Superman destroys the world engine, the other one, which turns this one off just in the nick of time, saving them all. Thanks, Superman. Well, and they had to be there to witness uh, Superman and Lois Wayne make out over the destruction of Metropolis. Oh, yeah. My favorite part was whenever they panned down to see that they were standing 
all with like corpses all around them. I mean, this place looks like it's not just destroyed. It looks like an apocalypse. Like it looks like the end of days here. Every building is destroyed. Everything's gray. There's like dust and particles falling down. I mean, it's probably not even death. It's probably ashes of all the corpses of people that were inside these buildings that Superman destroyed. <laughs> so, I mean, this is not a good place. And then to top it all off, I mean, if they had just kissed, that could have been, that could have worked, but oh my God. With Lois Lane having the worst line in the movie where she goes, you know, it's all downhill after the first kiss, but oh wait, it's not the worst line in the movie because then Superman's line is actually the worst line in the movie where he goes, I think that only applies to Kryptonians. Those are not the worst lines in the movie, but I'll get to that in just a little bit. Okay. So yeah, so this really kicks off the kind of the final fight between Superman and Zod. Um, Zod and Superman had this really great interaction, though, before the fight kicks off where um, Zod realizes all his people are gone. And um, he kind of says, like, I exist only to protect Krypton. Um, and now I have no people. And this is just a credit to Michael Shannon. Like, you can tell he's heartbroken when he's delivering this line. And I, I just think that really only almost makes you feel bad for Zod. But then you can also see this the change in his character where he really, like, is just going to try and kill Superman at this point. Yeah, I mean, it is, I mean, even though obviously he was going to, you know, destroy Earth essentially to create Krypton, I mean, you can feel where he's coming from. I mean, his purpose in life was literally to protect Krypton, and he was trying to here, and he had to witness, already he witnessed Superman destroy his ship, which had which had all the Kryptonians that they were going to, I guess, bring back through DNA or whatever. Um, so he had to watch all of them die, but then he was like, well, at least I still have my you know, first and second in command and all these people or whatever. Um, and then they all die because of Christopher Maloney. <laughs> yeah. But basically what you're saying is this, this is the scene where he's telling Superman, I'm literally alone because you're not a Kryptonian because you killed all of them. Yeah, right? And he chose earth. You chose earth. I'm the last son of Krypton. And then this kicks off the final fight, which I think is a bit anticlimactic. It's really short. It, I think this is like the worst CG in the movie. Um, yeah, but I mean, you know, I thought the emotion was there at least. Yeah, I I like the way this last fight looks. Like the visuals are fine for me. Um, but man, there is so much destruction left to be had when these two really go at it. Like you think the city looks leveled after the world engine, it gets even more leveled after these two kick off. You also you do get that really cool scene though where Superman takes Zod up into the satellite and then they crash back to Earth and then that's the opening shot of Batman v Superman. And that visual still looks really cool to me. Yeah, there was some good stuff in there for sure. And I like whenever Zod strips away the armor. Of course, yeah, it's a little bit silly that somehow, even though Superman struggled it, with it like as a child for a long time, Zod, after one bad incident, is able to control his powers on Earth. A little bit silly. Well, they do they do kind of say that he's has the warrior gene, so he's been training his whole life. So I don't know. It's really silly, but at least they try to do something to counteract I that. I guess that explain that. <laughs> But yeah, it does it does look really cool whenever he gets rid of the armor and he's just in the classic like skin tight black suit. It looks pretty cool. Yeah, and so that takes us into I guess the most controversial scene of this movie where um Zod's about to murder that family with his laser vision and um Superman is kind of realizes his only choice is to kill Zod, so he snaps Zod's neck. And for me this scene works. Um I think you can I feel like that really is Superman's only option. Um, I know this scene is heavily criticized by a lot of other people and a lot of fans too. 
but um, you can really see the anguish in Superman's face after he does this, after he does kill Zod. Like you, it really hits him that he's the last of his kind, and just that yell after he does it is so great too. Yeah. Um, overall, I like the scene and I like the emotion after. I think in terms of is there something he could have done? I mean, I guess he probably could have just, you know, since he had him in a headlock, he could have just jumped or leapt into the air. I don't know. Also, the family, like we see a shot of other people around them whenever Zod <laughs> puts out the blast and they just run away. So this family also could have just run away. They just feel like standing in this corner for some reason. <laughs> but yeah, I get it. I get the idea behind it. They were like, you know, Superman traditionally doesn't kill. So we'll have him kill somebody and then he'll never kill again. Then he'll make the choice to not kill again. So I get that idea. And it's certainly having the person he kills be the only other Kryptonian in existence is also powerful. Um, and I think it kind of hits the point home that he has chosen Earth. I mean, Superman literally says earlier in the fight, Krypton had its chance. So he's chosen Earth, and I think they kind of symbolically show that by him killing Zod. But you're right. At the very least, he does feel awful about it immediately. He didn't want to do that. He lets out this like guttural scream. So yeah, I, I like the emotion. In it. I think whenever I first saw the movie, I had a problem with it. But after this viewing, I was more okay with it. Yeah, I think it works. I mean, it definitely shows he's a torn man. He has to choose between his his uh, hometown, which he didn't even grow up on, and the Earth that adopted him and treated him pretty good. And, well, and uh, and he's already destroyed his real hometown at this point. Yeah, yeah, and and his other new hometown, Metropolis. Got yeah, to- he destroyed the IHOP. I just destroys everything, everything he goes to. <laughs> oh yeah, Pete IHOP. I forgot about that. Yeah, IHOP Pete. <laughs> Yeah, um, so then my criticism of this scene is you see the anguish, but you don't have to sit with it for too long because almost immediately after we cut to what I think is the worst line in this movie where Superman has just killed Zod, he lets out that guttural screen, and then the next scene is he's meeting with the military, I, I guess it's a couple months later, and they come down, he meets with that general, and then it turns to the female soldier, and pretty much like the next line you hear after that screen is, I think he's kind of hot. Yeah, there's some a couple weird moments like that. And the other moment we mentioned where they kiss, where they try to make it funny. And it's like, if you're only going to attempt it like three times, maybe just don't do it at all because they're all bad. But this one was pretty egregious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Zack Snyder is definitely not known for his comedy. No, not yet. Um, and yeah, and then that kind of takes us into the finale of the movie where we get uh, the classic reporter, Clark. Uh, Keith, what did you think of this? Y'all know my thoughts on this. I still am questioning how he got that job at the Daily Planet after he was just a bartender. <laughs> yeah. What else was he? What was his, what was his other job? He's a bartender. He was an extra on the show Deadliest Catch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, he really is. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He established that like he faked all his credentials, obviously. So then it's like, how does Clark Kent get this job? Because presumably he has zero experience. I guess maybe they made the play that Lois somehow pulled some strings to get him a job as a stringer, which they say, but they don't say that. So I, I don't, I don't really know how he got it. Um, that's my only guess is that Lois somehow got it for him. Yeah. I mean, I do still think this is a great ending to this film. I really like how they just kind of ended at least on a positive note after so much destruction and somberness. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, it, it kind of feels like they just wanted to leave you with something very familiar um, that the comic book fans would understand. And even casual fans, I think, know that Clark Kent works in the Daily Planet. So I think that worked for the most part. Um, 
and yeah, like you said, it, it, it leaves you with a positive, I think, you know, perception of the movie because it was just so dark. <laughs> like so many people died, two cities were leveled. Um, so yeah, I think the scene works. Um, I think the last line of the movie is Lois Lane saying, welcome to the planet, obviously double meaning. And then Clark Kent saying, happy to be here, Lois. And then it cuts to the credits. Yeah. Yeah, it, it also still is kind of goofy to me, though, that this was a building full of Pulitzer Prize uh, winning reporters who literally a couple of months ago watched Superman make out with Amy Adams and they can't figure out that this guy is Superman. Yeah, he's he's literally introduced by Perry White to the two people that were there when Superman and Lois Lane were making out over all those corpses. Um, <laughs> that was kind of funny. Um but again, I mean, just like it is in the comics, I guess you just kind of have to look past that his disguise yeah. is the worst. Good glasses. So, Great glasses. Yeah. I guess we can forgive that one. Um, yeah, so that really takes us into the credits, and that wraps up um, Man of Steel. I do want to know, though, let's just go around the horn. Um, Matt, what were your thoughts of this movie when you saw it in theaters? You kind of already teased that, and what are your thoughts today? Yeah, like I said, when I first saw it, I, I just found it so boring, and I found it a little bit hollow, and I thought lots of the themes, just while they maybe were set up well and some of the storylines were interesting and the characters at the beginning were interesting, I thought by the end they just weren't. Um, I, I think I think a lot of the same things, actually. I just enjoyed the movie more this time. Um, I just, I guess, appreciated some of the big swings that they took with the source material. Um, I really liked the supporting cast. Um, I like the visuals. I like the choreography of the fight scenes. I like um, how they set up Zod in the beginning of the movie to make him the main villain later on. Again, there there are some misses along the way with his motivation being he apparently just wants to use the best bloodlines. I don't know why that's important. Um, it seems like they could have just had a sit down with a beer with Jor-El um, and figured that out, but apparently <laughs> they didn't have enough time. But again, so yeah, I think there's lots wrong with the movie. I think the nonlinear storytelling works a lot of the time, but just the biggest problem I have is that it takes a lot away from adult Clark, who's supposed to be the main character of the movie. And we really just don't get to know him that well. Um, but yeah, ultimately, I just found the movie more fascinating on this rewatch. Keith, what about you? What did you think when you first saw this? And then what do you think now? Uh, when I first saw this, I, don't, I can't really remember anything from the movie i think that's why i was like i was baffled when i was watching doing this rewatch because i was like i don't remember any of this <laughs> so <laughs> it was fun watching it again uh i definitely enjoyed the um uh jor l uh, krypton origin story i thought that was pretty cool i thought russell brand or russell uh yeah russell crow i almost said russell brand i think you did hi hi i'm joel <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that would have been a really interesting girl that would have been good hey Zold. Get back, kids! Old, <laughs> but no, uh, I definitely enjoyed the uh, Jor-El origin story. Um, I thought Michael Shannon did a good job as Zod, and I thought it was, I guess it was a pretty good segue into Batman versus Superman. But yeah, I enjoyed it overall, and I guess I would just agree with all the like the other stuff that y'all disliked about it. I pretty much just agree with all of that. I have nothing to really add to that. Yeah, I guess I just ultimately I, I like wh- when I said it was just more interesting. I feel like. I was just thinking about it more, like more critically while watching it. Like whenever I first saw it, I just disagreed with all the choices they made, I feel like. But this time I was actually thinking about it. I was like, well, maybe maybe Jonathan Kent does have a point, you know? Maybe what he's saying, while it's harsh, maybe is the right thing. At the end, I was like, well, obviously it's a hard decision, but 
maybe he had to kill Zod. And what does that mean going forward? So I think while, like we've already talked about, there were some silly moments and some weird storytelling and character choices, I do think that at the very least, they were all interesting choices and at least left me thinking, which I certainly wasn't when I first saw it. Yeah, for, for me personally, I, I think of the three of us, I liked it the most originally when it came out in theaters. And on this rewatch, I honestly found myself liking it even more. Um, I really like Henry Cavill as Superman. I think Michael Shannon's such a great villain. He's probably Zack Snyder's best villain in this universe. Oh, definitely. Um, I think this is definitely Zack Snyder's best film in this universe. Um, and I just think all the performances around are really great. Um, I think my biggest issue is the nonlinear storytelling and then just kind of some dumb plot devices. But other than that, I think this movie flows really well. I think it's more focused than the other films. And um, I think it's just a good time throughout. Well, guys, we did it. We kind of got off to a rough start, but I felt like this was kind of a solid episode. It's a good little introduction. Obviously, we wanted to, a whole idea of doing this little show was to kind of talk about, we were like, we should talk about the Snyder Cut. And then we decided to kind of break it apart and talk about each movie leading up to that. So I think it's a cool way to start. I think if anybody's listening to this and enjoying it, we're certainly not just going to be talking about movies. I think we're just going to be talking about random topics that come our way that we find interesting. But yeah, the Snyder Cut, that announcement was certainly kind of out of nowhere and shocking. So that kind of inspired us to go back and watch some of these movies that we didn't necessarily love the first time. But I'm glad we did because already we're off to a good start. I like this movie way more than I did the first time. So anybody listening at home, if you guys enjoyed this episode, be sure to tune in next week for our uh, deep dive into Batman v Superman. And um, please go ahead and like and subscribe as we try to grow this channel. And um, yeah, we'll be back next time. We've got nothing better to do. Wait, are you watching the ultimate cut? Oh, no! <laughs>